The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time, she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation, and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today our show, of course, is about conflict healing and negotiation and mediation. And I'm just so thrilled to have this guest because this is a lady, Nina Mierding, who I have met oh, back in the 80s when we both did mediation for the State Department of Education out of McGeorge School of Law, and she was just wonderful then. And then we've kind of not saw each other. She was living up in, you know, she was living in California in northern, you know, north of us in L.A. area. And, um, and then we were down here in Orange County, and then lo and behold, almost 30 years later, I run into her in New Orleans at the ACR conference on conflict resolution, and it was such a treat to see her. She still looks gorgeous, and she is great, and I said, you've got to come on the show, so I'm very excited to tell you about my great friend, Nina Mierding. Nina is a national leader in the field of conflict resolution, and she has been providing training and mediation services for almost 30 years. She was the director and senior mediator at the Mediation Center in Ventura, California from 1985 to 2007. In fact, that's where she lived in Ventura. I forgot that. And she mediated over 4,000 disputes at that time. She's now a full-time trainer doing negotiation and mediation training services, and a professor, and she's taught at Pepperdine University for over 20 years in their dispute resolution program, and Southern Methodist University for 12 years, and Lipcomb University for over five years, and she's a mediation consultant and trainer for the Wisconsin Special Education Mediation System after she had done so much for California. She's a former president of the Academy of Family Mediators, and she served on the board of the Association of Conflict Resolution, the Council of Distinguished Advisors at Pepperdine University, the Advisory Board at the Southern Methodist University, the Board of Directors at the Southern California Mediation Association, and oh, many more organizations I could go on and on. But in 2005, she received an award, um, the John Haynes Distinguished Mediator Award, which is an international award given at, actually annually by the Association for Conflict Resolution, where we got to see each other again. She's a great trainer. She's actually trained in Canada, England, Scotland, Ireland, the Netherlands, India, and Sweden. And you can learn more about her at mediate.com slash Nina Mierding, M-E-I-E-R-D-I-N-G. So with that, I'm just so happy to welcome her. She's now living in the beautiful state of Washington on an island. So we're just thrilled to have you join us, Nina. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So let's go back to what even drew you to conflict resolution way back when. Well, I started out, actually, um, as an attorney. Well, before that, I was a special education teacher, and that's what drew me into the special ed field. But I became an attorney because I wanted to do um, class action work and sort of change the world as far as uh, disability rights law. And I, and I enjoyed being an attorney. I wasn't someone who was drawn to the field of conflict resolution as far as mediation because I didn't appreciate the law or didn't like being a lawyer. I liked being a lawyer a great deal. But the kinds of work that I was doing with families, whether it was in special education or in divorce or conservatorships or wrongful terminations, a lot of these were very, very high emotional cases, high emotional situations where the court sits system just doesn't work nearly as effectively. And while there always will be a place and a need for the court system, there is also a place and a need for private conflict resolution where people can sit down and work together to try to reach their own agreement. And we know that when people do create their own agreements, those agreements tend to be more durable. So back in 1985, I became very, very interested in it. And um, by 1987, I had completely stopped my legal practice and became a full-time mediator. Yep, and you know what? We have a very similar type approach because I I actually started mediating just about the same time you, 1986-1987. So, mm-hmm. and I also love the law, but I just I saw the the pain that people went through and I thought there has to be a, a better way. So, yeah. you know, that's that we're really on the same wavelength. Yeah. So, you know, all those years in conflict, we've both learned a lot about conflict. <laughs> so, I mean, I always think it's fun to find out from other mediators what what realizations have you learned about conflict itself? Well, I think that depending on how conflict is expressed, it either can be incredibly destructive and harmful or it can be incredibly constructive and creative. And I, for people who say, well, I want to go into mediation or I'm interested in mediation because I don't like conflict, I always say, well, then you're in totally the wrong profession. <laughs> you are in the wrong profession. Because what we try to do in mediation is to have conflict breed that creativity and that um, new generation of ideas and a better understanding. And so for me, conflict has become multifaceted and multidimensional rather than, okay, we're going to be here and let's not have conflict and let's try to resolve this where everyone sits around totally perfectly well-behaved but isn't really saying what it is that they mean or they want. And so it's how do we create that environment where people can have conflict in a way that's not blaming or shaming or causing someone to lose face, or attacking, but as a way to say, look, we fundamentally disagree about this, and we have to figure out a way that we're going to be able to resolve this, either because we have a long-term relationship that we need to preserve, or even if we don't have a long-term relationship, we just need to get through this particular conflict. So how can we do it in a way that allows respect for both of us when we fundamentally have very, very different beliefs? So for me, that was one of the, the big pieces. Another piece that I learned was that across cultures, and my passion is cross-cultural work and gender work, um, and I do a lot of either interfaith or cross-cultural or issues where gender and culture are at play, is to understand that conflict is very different across cultures and how people respond and how they react um, to that conflict needs to be understood not only from an individual level, which is very important, but also from a cultural perspective as well, so that we don't say, oh, well, they're doing that because if I was doing that, that's what I would mean. 
well, not necessarily. They're, they're, someone's expression of conflict is formed by who they were and how they grew up, whether that's in the family of origin or the culture or whatever it is. And so learning that sensitivity was really important to me over the last 30 years as well. And, and that's really what it's all about is learning to be open to hear how people have a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And even you and I, even though we have very similar perspectives on mediation and what we believe is important in the world in terms of peaceful resolution, we're humans. And so yeah. even if you have someone who is just like you or even a twin sister, you're going to have a different perspective on certain things depending on your circumstances. And so if we recognize that it's important to understand those perceptions and that's and that's even harder when you're not in the same culture. So yeah, yeah I honor you for that. Yeah. In fact, you may want to come down and present at our Orange County Mediation Conference in March of 2013 because that's what we're focusing on. really celebrating diversity and understanding how to deal with different cultures because Orange County, just like where you live, is, you know, is a melting pot and we have to understand each other's cultures. Yes, absolutely. And you raised another interesting point, which is even though you may have very similar backgrounds, um, you can have the misperception that because someone grew up like I did, that they're going to deal with conflict the way that I do. I mean, I look at my family and we have five siblings, I mean, five of us kids, and we all deal with conflict differently, and, and we all have different perspectives and different filters and different ways that we look at things. And so just the culture of the one versus the culture of the group can be very, very different as well, and people's perspectives. Oftentimes people, when I'm doing family mediation, will say, well, that's not what happened, and the other person will say, no, no, that's what happened, and they'll say, were you in the same place? I was there. I know what happened. The other person will say, I was there. I know what happened, and and it's just... In the same moment, in the same experience, it's experienced different ways by different people. And we need to honor that. And when somebody says, well, I'm really mad, to say, oh, you shouldn't be mad, well, we all know that's not going to work. <laughs> because when was the last time someone said, oh, you're overreacting, and you said, oh, you're right, I am. You know, it's, we, don't, we, don't, we have right. to understand that everybody's life experience is their own. And, and we may not agree with it. We may think we would have done it differently. But if we don't understand that that life experience is theirs, Yep. Then we're we're never going to be able to have good communication. Right. And I, I always love this. I, I sometimes get a kick out of saying I'll listen to each party in a mediation and I'll say, you know what? From your perspective, you're absolutely right. And then I turn to the second person and I say, you know what? From your perspective. And and I'll tell like all the people in the room that they're absolutely right from their perspective. So where does that get us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. If you have to be right, you're all right. Now, how do we make this work? And, yeah. I, and then they look at me like I'm totally nuts that I told them that they're all right. And I said, but it doesn't matter because it didn't resolve anything. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun thing. Then they, they, they have this puzzled look. Well, if I'm right, why can't we resolve this like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that's really key and, and kind of builds on that is the ability of people to say we can reach an agreement for very, very different reasons. And rather than you have to reach the agreement because of what I'm saying and because I'm right, and that's why you're going to agree to it, rather than, no, I'm, agree- I'm agreeing to it for a totally different reason yes. than what you are, and that's okay. It isn't about trying to convince the other person of the correctness of your position, and that's oftentimes very, very hard for people to understand. And sometimes I'll say to one person, is there anything that the other person can say that would change your mind about what actually happened. And they'll go, nope, 
And then I'll turn to the other person and say, is there anything that that person can say to you that would change your mind about what happened? They go, nope. And I said, so you can continue to debate about what happened and what each of you is telling me is that that's not going to change your perspective or you can decide if what you want to do is to move forward and try to reach a resolution for very different perspectives and for very different reasons, right. but still coming up with a common goal. And that's a hard step for people to take, especially if they're highly emotional about what they're fighting about. And, and the beauty of that, though, is, Nina, and that you and I both know to do is to tell them that you understand exactly how they feel. And maybe if you were in their shoes, you would feel exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And then you can go on to say, yeah. And, and so how can we make this work for everybody? You know, get them off of that. I'm right. You're wrong type of thing. And that's, that's right. That's such a hard thing. Cause they've been, maybe if they've been in litigation, they've been saying it for so long or they have such, you know, they rather be right than happy and, mm-hmm. and all those things. So it is, it is such a, you know, I, I got a kick out of it when you said people want to maybe quit litigating because they hate conflict or they want to become a mediator because they hate conflict. Well, we are sitting there in the midst of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. Always. Absolutely. People will say to me, how do you do it? And, you know, I mean, well, I guess I'll ask you. I, I know what I do. I, I just kind of put this golden shield around me and take deep breaths and I have my bell. So if it gets really where someone starts to escalate something, I just ring the bell. And the rule is when I ring this Asian bell, you have to wait till the bell sound goes away uh-huh. before you can talk. Clever. And Very clever. So everyone knows when the bell rings, no one can talk until you don't hear anything left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at least it gives us time to breathe. But how do you stay centered in the midst of the storm? I think one of the things I've had to learn to do, and this was difficult for me because I do care very much about people who are in pain or having difficulty, is that to distance myself enough that it is not my problem. Because if I take on the problem as my problem, then it's hard for me to be centered because I have a different motivation. This, this, you know, this, this is my problem versus saying to someone, I'm going to do the very best I can to help you resolve your problem. And we're going to try to work at it from your perspective and your life experience and come up with an agreement that you believe is fair. I am not going to tell you what to do. It is not my problem. It's not my life. Um, And for me to be able to do that was actually quite difficult after being a lawyer because as a lawyer, my job was to advocate very, very hard for someone. Zealous representation is what we have to do. And so you become very, I think sometimes people become very embedded in the conflict themselves. I have to fight for this. This is my cause versus in mediation, which is you're bringing a dispute or a conflict or an issue, and my role is to help you better frame your perspective almost conflict coach, if you will, in a way that you are able to solve this problem. Yes. And hopefully with either the expertise or whatever I can bring to that table, the goal is still, it is your issue, it is your problem, or we're going to try to figure it out together rather than me being the one who's fighting for you or is your mouthpiece or is the person who's going to tell you what to do. And so that has helped me a bit. It doesn't mean that I always walk away with you know, feeling, oh, that was fine. Sometimes it's very, very difficult when you're dealing with really high emotion cases and people have really been injured. Um, It does affect you. We're all human. And then you just have to decide, how do I allow that in? But then when it's over, 
make sure that it's not staying in, that, it, that, I, that I'm able to, whether it's through exercise or through um, just mindfulness or whether it's being with my family or my friends, whatever it is, that I can now remove myself from that conflict which I had put myself in the middle of. Right. And that's not always easy. No, because conflict is catching. Yes. It is catching. So, yeah, I think, you know, both you and I have been doing it long enough that we have little tricks that we do. Like I just, you know, I kind of like push on my solar plexus to remind myself to just go and, and just breathe really deep and just remember that, like you said, it's their problem. It's their issue. It's their resolution. But yeah, there are times it really gets to you. And, and that's when I say, you know what, let's take a break if it gets too hot mm-hmm. or, or, you know, the bell helps me because it reminds me, like you said, to be mindful. So, mm-hmm. But I had a question that's that's been on my mind that I thought I'd share with you since we're both, you know, in the same situation. I have had clients recently, especially in family mediation, that are kind of bullies um, to the other side. And, you know, I, I don't allow that. But they come into mediation, even though I've told them what my role is, they come into mediation thinking that I should talk the other side into exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And so even if, if we're ever in a caucus, you know, I try to keep everybody on the, on the phone together or in person together. But, you know, there are times you have to caucus. And they, they expect me to talk to the other side and talk them into what they want. And they go, well, that's why I hired you, to, to make sure that we get a deal. And I, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I keep saying, you know, my job is to be neutral because you know, the other person is saying the same thing to me. They want me to talk you into it. So, mm-hmm. so I just wondered, have you ever experienced that? But lately I've gotten more of it because I've had some kind of bullies that want that. So I just wondered what you thought about that. Well, I think whether someone's a bully or not, I think there's a deep desire for people to have the mediator, even though that mediator is, is impartial, to agree with them. And some people express it differently. Some people say, you know, as long as you validate that I, that you can understand my perspective, that's all I need. Other people say, well, the way that you're going to earn your money is you're going to go convince the other side that um, I'm right. And so I'll say, okay, so how much time do you want me to allocate trying to convince them? Because if I give 15 minutes to you of my time with them of arguing your case, you're going to be able to have to sit there for 15 minutes when they want the exact same thing from me as you are asking. Right. So I can't go and argue to them for 15 minutes. And then they say, okay, go back and argue to the first person for 15 minutes. And I come back to you and go, no, no, I don't want to hear it. Because you are asking them to do something. And there's reciprocity here. Yes. If they have to listen to your argument... You need to listen to their argument. Otherwise, what is anyone's motivation to stay in this process? If, if your goal is simply, I'm not moving, I don't want to do anything, it's all about the other side, mm-hmm. what will possibly be their motivation to stay in that room? Exactly. And, and so I think for me, it's, it's what is the need, what's the underlying that's, need that's being expressed when somebody is saying, you go over and convince the other side. Is it they want an independent person to validate them to the other side? Do mm-hmm. they want, or do they feel that they can't negotiate it on their own behalf if it's a power difference? Right. Is it that um, they are using this process in a way it was not intended? So part of it for me yeah. is really to diagnose where is that need coming from? Yes. 
And that's and, and it's usually the, the ones that I've dealt with recently. It, it's been trying to use the process in a, in a way that is not intended. Mm-hmm. And, and so I keep thinking, you know, when I explain the process to the people, when I first give an initial free consultation to everybody, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very careful to explain the process. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess maybe I need to do something different and have them tell me back how do you see, and I usually do say, what What do you know about mediation? Why do you like it? What are your concerns? But I maybe should say, after I explain them, now, how do you see my role? Right. Because... How um, do you see this working for you? Right. Because if what you want is someone to give you an opinion, um, then you're lo- maybe looking for early neutral evaluation or a summary jury trial or an arbitration or something other than what mediation is designed to do in the sense of it is not advocating for one person's position uh, to the other side. I mean, obviously... But we do know, but we do know, Nina, that there are judges who are now mediators who do that, who do arm twisting. And so that that has been the case that people have come to me from those kinds of mediators that they left because they didn't want arm twisting. So that's, even though I agree with you, but... There well, are, and I think yeah. that goes back to expectations because I think um, I think if a mediator who's more evaluative of whether that's a judge or not a judge, but they say you're hiring me for my subject matter expertise, whatever that might be, personal injury, family law, or whatever, um, and you are hiring me specifically because you want a little bit of muscle mediation and you want me to go back and forth and hammer on you a bit, and your goal is to get a deal by the end of this time frame, and that's what I'm hiring you for. There will always be mediators whether they're judges or not, who, are, who say, I can do that. Yes. And then there'll be mediators who say, that's not what I see mediation being. I see it as a process where I help parties put deals t- together. And then you'll have mediators who will say, it's not even about the deal. It's about having people work together to build a relationship. So I think the main thing, and I think this is the key when, when, uh, when we talk, about people about, uh, talk to people about what mediation is, is to say, what is it that you're looking for? Because mediation is such a broad field with so many ways of doing it that you need to be getting the mediator who, as we say, fits the fuss, which is right. what, what is it that you want in your mediator? Because when, when I do mediation advocacy training and I go and I teach lawyers how to be better lawyers, not as mediators, but within the process, right. and I'll say, the one thing I don't want to hear, which I heard early on, was, you know, oh, I had a terrible mediator, or, you know, this mediator wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. And I said, here's my number one rule of, of an attorney going into mediation and coming out the other end is there is no whining. And that means that you have the power, either as a party or a lawyer, to choose the mediator, usually unless you're obviously ordered by the court. But usually you have the power to do research, to find out the kind of mediator that you want based on this particular case with these particular clients in this particular moment in time. And there's so many mediators now that people can really forum shop and, and, and forum shop in the way of you know where the mediator lives and what their style is and is this person the kind of mediator that I want? And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that there's such a broad spectrum in our field. And I think there's quite frankly plenty of business to go through every single possible style that people want to deliver. Yeah, and if you have an attorney, both attorneys have to negotiate what kind of style they're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you have one attorney who's looking for one style and the other attorney is looking for another style, you're going to have an argument just about how you're going to choose. Yeah, and then you're mediating the process, not just the outcome. You're saying, okay, well, what's it going to look like now? What are we going to put together that... 
that meets people's needs. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and I think then, I mean, I, I hear a lot of people who will call me up or they'll talk to me and they'll say something like, well, you know, these are usually parties. You know, my lawyer said I get a great outcome in mediation and that I get a good deal compared to what the law would be, but I don't know why I feel so dissatisfied with the process. Mm. So to me, then you've got a situation where the, that piece of the deal is only one aspect of people's satisfaction. And if someone is, for whatever reason, not satisfied with the process, then I always say to them, you should speak up. You should say, well, this may be a good deal, but whether it's I've never been able to talk to the other side or, hey, we're two business people with reputations in this community. Don't you think we should talk about that? It's not just about the deal. It's about what allows people to leave that conflict behind and move forward. And some people, it's about the deal, and some people it's about the relationship, and some people it's about the deal and the relationship. And that's where I think mediators especially need to be sensitive to the complexities of what comes to their table, that there isn't... When, when, whenever a mediator says, oh, I had a case just like this last week, and they say it to a party, I'll say that is the most disempowering thing D- you could ever say. Disrespectful. It's disrespectful yeah. because it, no cases, there's, first of all, it's not a case. It's people. And secondly, nobody is the same. Everybody right. is going through their experience, just as like we talked about before with families. Everyone is going through an experience a different way, yeah. and that needs to be respected. And what they need in the process is going to be different. Exactly. And that's what's so beautiful about mediation. Like if you go to litigation, maybe you win, you win a certain amount of money, but you didn't really have closure. You have this right. bad taste in your mouth. Whereas hopefully through mediation, you, you don't have to just address the money. You can address the apology. You can address the just the feeling of, hey, you're a good guy and I'm sorry this happened or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or we both want the best for you or for your family. Hey, we're going to be able to co-parent together or if it's an estate issue that all the siblings were fighting, but now they can go to family Thanksgiving and Christmas together. Those, those are probably things that you could never get in court, that mm-hmm. you can only get in mediation. Yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of time, but I, enough time that I wanted to ask you, because people who are listening may not be in mediation, but they everybody negotiates. So let's just talk a little bit, it just for just a you know a few minutes about the negotiation dance because it it happens outside of mediation and inside. I, this is an area that I just love because to me everything is a negotiation from the moment we're born everything is is a negotiation, and so when people say well I'm not a negotiator usually what they mean is they're not a professional negotiator it's not what they do for a living but we're negotiating everything and when we're driving on the road, you know, and how we change lanes, and we're negotiating with our families, and we're negotiating all the time. And so to me, to understand it from the perspective of strategies and skills and techniques is really important, whether you're in a job that requires a lot of negotiation or you're just a human being. So to me, the the dance of negotiation is something that it can either be what we call very distributive, which sort of means the back and forth, multiple steps offer, counteroffer, back and forth, or it can be something where it's no offers on the table at all for a very long time and spending that time talking about, well, okay, what are all your needs? What are your interests? I wonder how we can expand this pie to really look at all of these things um, and come up with a, an agreement that no one else would ever think of 
rather than just going back and forth and back and forth with numbers. So there's a variety of ways that people negotiate, and oftentimes what I've seen when people come into mediation, even if they're lawyers, but especially if they're parties, is that people are what I call dancing differently. And one person's trying to negotiate one way, and the other person's trying to negotiate negotiate another way. One person will come in and say, it's my first and final offer. I want right now for you to go say to the other side that I'm a walking away if they're not willing to accept it. And if the other person is someone, especially if they come from a culture where there's many moves, some cultures 10, 11, 12 moves back and forth before you reach a deal, you have someone who's a, what I call a one-stepper, which is, go put this offer out, and this is what it is going to be. And the other person is saying, well, wait, now here's my offer, and where's your counter, and then I'm going to counter, and then you're going to counter. And, and to understand that, that negotiation, the process itself, not just the outcome, to understand the process is just as key to a good outcome as it is to know the subject of what you're negotiating. A lot of people spend time understanding the subject of what they're negotiating, whether it's personal injury or contracts or family law or, you know, the price of what you want to negotiate something down at a car dealer, whatever it is. And they really research that and they get their subject matter expertise. But then they go in and when they're trying to negotiate, they haven't really researched anything. I know. And you know what? We, I swear we could do this for an hour, but we are out of time. Okay. So let me just have you give your website and we got to go. Okay. My website is www mediate.com forward slash Nina Meyerding, and it's N-I-N-A-M-E-I-E-R-D-I-N-G. And then there's a list of the training courses and the work that I do on that website. Great. Okay, we will talk to you again soon, and I hope we get to see each other soon. Thanks so Me much. Me too. Okay. You're very welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've Bye-bye. Been lis- you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org. Join us next week. Thank you so much. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.